Well, please turn with me now to Mark chapter 6. It's our scripture reading for the sermon this morning. Mark chapter 6. We're going to finish chapter 6 this morning. And then after we finish this chapter, we are going to be taking a short break from our series in Mark's Gospel. Right now, the plan is still for me to be here next Sunday. Our appointment's in the evening, so I have my morning free, and we are going to hopefully spend it here with you all, unless the Lord has other plans for us, but we'll see. But either way, the plan is to preach from a passage from Nehemiah next Sunday, and then we have uh, our friends from uh, Christ Church in Bentonville uh, coming up on subsequent Sundays. Uh, Chris Taylor and Aaron Rains, they've both been up here before and they've always been a blessing to us and um, thankful for them to be here uh, while, uh, while we'll be away. Uh, but for this morning, we will finish chapter 6 and um, we'll see what next week has in store. Uh, but it's very fitting uh, because this, this passage talks about what it means to trust in Christ and to take heart in Him in the midst of uncertainty. And that's what we're looking at this morning. So please follow along with me, beginning in verse 45, as I read for us from God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Mark 6, 45 through 56. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to, on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw, and they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Let's pray. Father, we pray that your word would guide us this morning. We pray that you would comfort us through the words spoken by your Son and our Lord. We pray that we would take heart, that we would not be afraid because Christ is with us. So bless us now in our time together, we pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, have you ever made plans in your life and God just decides to change them completely? Have you ever faced anything unexpected? 
Have you ever felt like you were like the disciples, stuck in one place with a strong headwind working against you? I know for so many of us, we've felt that way. I know so many of us we've heard this morning are, are feeling that way as they're struggling and wrestling over hurts and pain and grief. There's a lot of doubts. There's a lot of uncertainty in the future. So much uncertainty in the future. In our passage, it asks us the question of, of what do we do when life doesn't go as planned? What do we do when our, our five-year plan doesn't work out the way that we expected it to? Is there any comfort that we can find in Christ when we are going through the storms of life? That's the question that our, our passage puts forward to us this morning. It's asking us and asking you, will you take heart in Jesus? You see, that, that's the goal, taking heart in Jesus, that's the goal, but but how do we do it? We, we know we need to do it. We know that's what we should do, but, but how do we do it? What does it look like for us to do it? How can we do it? How can we take heart in Christ, especially in the midst of, of storms? So I want to consider three things that come out of our text this morning as we're talking about taking heart in Jesus. The first is the reasons why it's, it's hard in the first place. Why is it so hard? And we can be honest with ourselves this morning, and Scripture gives us permission, I think, I know, uh, to be honest with ourselves, that it's, it's hard to take heart in Jesus. It's hard to trust always in Christ. So the first thing is, is the reasons why it's so hard. Second, the real comfort that we find in Jesus' words. And third, some helps Jesus gives us to take heart in Him. Those three things, I want to look at those three things this morning. And the, the first one is the reasons why it's, it's so hard for us at times to always take heart in Jesus. Why it's so hard to have rock-solid faith in Christ all the time. We know that's what we, we should have, um, what we might want, but we can be honest that it's difficult. Why is it so hard? Well, one of the reasons we see is that we don't always know the direction that God is leading us. If you're with us last week, you'll remember that Jesus, he, he fed the 5,000, and, and this was his demonstration that he, he's the good shepherd of Psalm 23. He leads us in paths of righteousness. He makes us lie down in green pastures. We, we saw the connections that Mark was making there, how, how Christ had the people sit down on those pastures of green grass as he, he fed them and nourished them as, as their good shepherd. So the difficulty is we might, we might know where the, the end destination is. We might know that God is, is leading us to those green pastures, but sometimes in the moment, it feels like we're going in the completely opposite direction. We, we know the theology of Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good of those who love God. All things work together for, for my good, for God's glory. But knowing that, having that theology is different than, than having the heart knowledge of it and believing it and, and trusting it. That's the, the taking heart kind of question. How can we take heart to know, to truly believe that it's true? So take our disciples and our story. Did you catch the, the locations 
the two place names in our passage. And in verse 45, it says that Jesus is sending the disciples to Bethsaida. He sets them off on the boat and he heads them in, in that direction. But then in verse 53, after finally landing ashore after the storm, they're in, they're in Gennesaret, which is many, many miles west of where they were originally going. And what might have made matters worse, and Mark doesn't tell us, but we know uh, from earlier Mark and from other Gospels, we know that, that Peter, his brother Andrew, they're from Bethsaida. We also know that Philip and other disciples is from there, and, and James and John might have very well been from there as well, or at least worked there. They were associates with, with uh, Peter and, and Andrew. So this would have been a, a nice homecoming for these disciples. Finally, after they'd been sent on mission, after they had that impromptu uh, day-long conference they weren't expecting with the, the multitude of people, finally they're going to have some rest. Jesus was sending them off, and they're going to head home, going to spend some time with family. And we can imagine their disappointment then, on top of everything else, as they get shifted off track and get redirected somewhere else. One reason why it's so hard to always take heart is because we don't always know which direction we're going. Sometimes God has other plans. And sometimes it's really difficult because here, Jesus himself, he's the one that sent them off toward Bethsaida. And now he's, he's letting them go off course and have you ever felt like that? Where you felt like, I'm, I'm going in the direction that God wants me to be going. I'm doing the things that God wants me to be doing. Why is this not working out? Why is it not working out for me? God, why aren't you with me in this? This is what I strongly feel, what I know that you're calling me to do. What do we do in those moments? How do we take heart when we're, we're doing what we think and what we know we should be doing, but there's a strong headwind pushing against us. So hard sometimes. We can feel so directionless. We can even feel like God is, is giving us mixed signals as well. That's one reason why it's so hard. Another reason, of course, we see is on top of everything else, they're, they're battling the storm. It's hard to take heart when we're feeling directionless and we're also feeling battered on all sides. And you know, this wasn't the first time that the disciples had found themselves you know, in a boat, caught in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. They'd already, they'd already seen this movie. They'd already done this song and dance. They didn't need another episode of, of being caught in the storm on the sea. We, we saw earlier in chapter 4, the same thing happened to them. So they're caught in another storm, constantly getting battered. Will it ever end? Have you ever felt like that? See, this is how the disciples are feeling. And one of the larger narrative elements in the Gospel of Mark that we've seen has, has been him focusing on the lives of the, of the disciples and on their unbelief. And the first part of Mark's Gospel that we're still in has been asking the question for us, who is this Jesus? Who is Jesus? Mark has been showing 
Christ to us and all of his, his actions and all of his, his miracles and all of his, his messages. And he's putting that question before all of us and, and he's putting the question before the disciples. And what we see is the disciples, they're, they're consistently uh, wondering. They're, they're getting the, the question wrong. They're not fully understanding. We see here at the middle of our, our passage here, it says that they, they didn't believe. They were, they were astonished. They were astounded. And the reason is they, they didn't understand the loaves. They didn't un- understand the lesson from the previous section. Their hearts were hardened. Well, well, what does that mean? What's Mark telling us there? Well, it's that they didn't understand who Jesus was himself. They didn't understand him to be the good shepherd. They didn't understand him to be the bread of life, to be the son of God. They didn't fully understand that he was the Messiah and what all that means. And when we're, we're studying this gospel, when, when we study the gospels in general, we can always wonder at the, at the disciples. We can... We, we, want to ask ourselves, what are you guys thinking, disciples? How do you, how do you not get it, right? How did you guys miss that? He just fed 5,000 people with, with five loaves and two fish. He's walking on water. He's doing all these things. How do you not understand that, that this guy's a big deal, that there must be something special about him, that he must be who he says he is? But you see, when we when we think that way, the, the unstated assumption that we have in, in comments like that is, well, if I was there, I, I would have totally understood. If I saw Jesus' miracles firsthand, I, I would have believed. But you know, it's hard though, isn't it? And we look back in our lives, we look at Scripture, and we have the same, we have the same hard hearts. You see, that's the message here. We also need to be reminded. We also need to go through the same things over and over to get those lessons drilled into us. I also need to hear the same things over and over. I need Jess to repeat the same things over and over to me. <laughs> so I, I hear, so I understand. It's so easy for us to forget God's faithfulness, His tender, providential care over us. We can, we can forget those things in the midst and in the moments of, of the storms in life. The disciples, they had to learn that lesson. They had to learn the lesson of the stormy sea. They had to learn that lesson twice. We're going to see they had to learn the lesson of the loaves twice. When we get to chapter 8, when Jesus feeds uh, the, uh, another great multitude. And that chapter 8, that will actually conclude the, the first part of, of Mark's gospel, which asks the question, who is this Jesus? And Jesus is going to ask them directly. He's going to ask them at the end of Mark 8. He's going to repeat all the things that he's done for them. He's going to ask them, are your hearts still hardened? And and he's going to end that section by asking the question, do you not yet understand? See, they need these lessons over and over again. And it's true for us. It's true for all Jesus' disciples. It was true for these original 12 disciples. It's true for the 100 or so disciples in this room this morning. It's true for us. If we're struggling, if you're struggling in the storm, whatever storm is raging in your life, again, I know there's so many, and we've prayed for them this morning, difficult struggles right now. The first thing, our first point, are the reasons why it's hard. And our Bibles, they give us examples of doubt. 
And I love that about our Bible. I love that about God's holy word. He gives us examples of what it means to struggle. And he gives us permission to doubt. He gives us permission to know that it's okay. That we can struggle with these things. There's all kinds of reasons why it's hard to take heart in Jesus. Scripture shows us many of those. Thankfully, and this is the key thing, we we can have our doubts, we can have our struggles, but we're never left there. We're never left alone with them. But Scripture always brings us back to Christ. Jesus himself brings us back to his word. And this is the second thing we see, is the comfort that Jesus himself, he brings to us through his word. This is the second thing. So why did Jesus, why did he let the storm rage around the disciples in the first place? See, why, why did he send them off toward Bethsaida, knowing full well that they weren't going to make it there, that they're going to get stuck in the headwind? Why wasn't Jesus with them from the very beginning? Like in chapter 4. But even there, he was asleep down on the, on the sofa, on the bed. But why did he let them get into this predicament in the first place? Why didn't he present, prevent the storm to begin with? These are all the questions that we ask in our lives all the time. And in, in this life, we might not ever know all the answers to all those questions. Usually only hindsight can, can tell us, and even then we don't always know all the reasons why God uh, did this, whatever it might be. We don't always know all the answers to those questions. But what we do know, here's what we know for certain, and here's what we know through Jesus' words. What we do know is that the storms in life do not mean that Jesus doesn't care. That's what we do know. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Because it's in the storms of life that Jesus presents and shows his great power. And if he were to have prevented that storm, he would never have been able to demonstrate his power in walking across the stormy sea, and he would never have had the opportunity to give the disciples the comforting words that they needed to hear. So let's look back at the, the, the heart of this passage here. The disciples, they're, they're by themselves in the boat. They have a strong headwind against them. It's choppy waters. There's a storm around them. Now, now, too often we can have the, the mental picture of a, of a small rowboat with, with barely enough room to fit 12 people in there, and they're, they're struggling, and they don't know what they're doing. That's not exactly what's happening. But we know that these, these are fishermen. They're, they're accustomed to, to the sea. They're well-trained. So that indicates for us just how difficult, just how bad their situation was. This wasn't just a uh, 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 an annoyance, uh, a bad headwind. This was something they are struggling against. These trained fishermen in their, in their boat should have been able to handle this. But this was a difficult situation to be in. They were stranded. They weren't go- getting anywhere in the middle of that sea. They were thinking through options. What, what are we going to do? And then, to make matters worse, a ghost appears. <laughs> the last thing that you would want, now here's the thing, I, I could never go on a cruise 
We were talking about this the other day. I could never go on a cruise. There's something about it just being out in the middle of the sea. This, this is my worst nightmare, is being stuck in the middle of a sea, not going anywhere. And I, I, I don't trust cruise ships. I don't trust anything, okay? I would never be out there. The only thing that can make that worse is if there's ghosts on the boat, right? So these poor disciples, they're stuck in the middle of the sea, and then this ghost shows up, of course. Now, Mark's not telling us anything about the nature of ghosts. He's not telling us that ghosts are real, okay? He's not, we're not getting into that. What, what we're seeing here is from the disciples' point of view, right? They're trapped. They're struggling. They're at their wit's end. And now, all of a sudden, there is a figure of a man walking on the water. And we know human beings can't walk on water, let alone this choppy, windy sea. So, of course, the only, the only logical conclusion is it must be some apparition. It must be some ghost. But no. See, it's the, it's the Son of God Himself. It's the Lord of the storm. He's walking out to meet His disciples, to save them, and to provide for them. So we can put ourselves in the disciple situation of this, this, this terror. And then it turns out to be Jesus himself. And this is where he says those comforting words. This is the heart of the passage. Where Jesus says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. That's the comfort found in Jesus' words. The sentence itself, the sentence itself is a parable for us. You see, it's the only reason this is comforting is because take heart, taking heart and being unafraid, those are only possible when they're connected at the center to Christ himself and to his presence. See, if it was, if it was anybody else other than Jesus, then they would have no reason to take heart. And they, and they would have every reason to be afraid. But, as it is, it's Jesus himself. It is I. And because it's him, because it is Christ, they have every reason to take heart. They have no reason to be afraid. In the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, there's a great moment uh, in the book, where they're they're just in Narnia, they're they're learning all these things. The children are, and and they're at the Beaver's home, and Mr. Beaver is talking to them, and he's telling them all about what's been happening in Narnia and the long winter, and he's filling them in on all these things. They're learning about this magical world, and then at one point, Mr. Beaver, he tells them, and he mentions the name of the lion. He tells them that Aslan is on the move. And Lewis, he narrates what happens as the children, as they hear just the, they don't know much about this lion at all, but, but he narrates what happens to the children, that something stirs in their hearts, just that the, as they hear his name, that bravery and courage and joy uh, fills them, just at the mention of this great lion. And this feeling they have, it'll only grow, of course, as they grow in their understanding and in their, their relationship to Aslan. We've seen in the same way, the name of Jesus, 
What, what does his name stir up in you? So just at the name of Jesus, just at the knowledge of, of who Jesus is, of what he has accomplished. See, we are able to take heart in him. Because we know, we know who it is that bears that name. It is I. That's what Jesus says. That is our ultimate comfort. That is your ultimate comfort, CTK. That is your comfort. That you belong to Jesus and that he belongs to you. That he is the great I am of scripture. That he is the great God of all creation. That he is the one who was, who is, and who is to come. He's the Alpha, He is the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we're called to fix our eyes on Him, to look to Him. This God, this, this God that we serve, He is the one who says to you, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. If you're in Christ, if you have Christ, you have all that you need. That's been the story of Mark's gospel from the beginning. Take heart. In Christ. See, Mark's gospel is dedicated to this God. It's dedicated to Jesus Himself. These are the comforting words of His presence. This provides us the ability to take heart even in life's strongest storms. It's great news for us. It's great news. But again, if we're honest with ourselves, we know it's it's always difficult in those moments to take heart. And so what I love here is Jesus himself, he gives us helps uh, to help us along the way. How can we take heart? What are some helps that Jesus gives us himself in this passage? This is the third thing. Let's end with this. Some practical things we can do. One help that Jesus gives us is his own example for us to follow. So why is it that Jesus, why wasn't he with them in the boat this time around? And what's, what's the example that we can follow that's a help to us? Well, we see, verse 46, it tells us that, that he sent them on their way so that he could go up to pray on the mountain. So again, if, if, if the eternal Son of God incarnate, God of God himself, if he valued his own prayer life in such a way to spend time with his Father, how much more, how much more do we need to spend time in prayer? See, we must follow the example of our Lord here. This is the habit that we must cultivate, and, and none of us here can say that they're satisfied with their prayer lives. I'm certainly not. I need to preach this to myself. But this is something we need to spend our lives devoted to, devoted to prayer. And, you know, it's a, it's a a reinforcing cycle too, because the more that we pray, the more that we follow Christ's example here, the, the bigger God becomes in our eyes. The, the more we understand about Him and about who He is, the more lovely He becomes to us and the, the more we desire to spend time with Him in prayer. And then the more we learn about Him, so the more we pray about Him, the more we learn about the, the I in that sentence. The more we learn about who he is, the more we'll naturally be drawn to prayer. So I encourage you, I encourage myself, I encourage all of us that we would not neglect prayer. 
especially, even more so in the difficult seasons and the busy seasons of life, that we would not neglect prayer, that we would not neglect prayer together. It was, it was on that conviction that we wanted to, to start meeting in the evenings on Sunday, that we'd spend time in prayer together. And I encourage you to, to be there with us, to, to be praying together, to lifting up one another's cares and burdens and petitions, spending time in, in corporate prayer on the Lord's Day. We need prayer. We need to pray for our church. And Jesus, he, he helps us to take heart by giving us his own example. He also helps us. Another way he helps us is by reminding us of his power here in this passage. And we haven't talked about uh, verses 53 through 56 much, um, much at all. And partly, um, this isn't new information in Mark's gospel. He's using this section, he's going to transition into the next uh, major section of what comes next, and he's, he's using this to, to, to kind of set the stage again of, of where Jesus is at in his ministry and what's going on. But this is not just uh, unnecessary repetition, this is not just mere filler either. But it reminds us about what's true of Jesus. You know, we always need these reminders that reorients us to what's true. And what we see is that this Jesus, he's, he's still the exact same person that we met at the beginning of the gospel. He's still all-powerful. He's all-powerful over all sickness and over all disease. He's still powerful over the storms. He's powerful over everything. And as we go to him in prayer, we need to remind ourselves of who he is and of his power. We must not let our hearts become hardened but rather learn the lessons of what have, what have come before. Learn the lessons of the loaves that the disciples failed to learn. That Jesus is abundantly powerful to provide our daily bread, like we pray every Sunday. Not only is he powerful and not only is he able, but he's willing. He, he loves to provide for his people. He calmed the storm with just a word and in chapter 4, he walks across the choppy sea without any issue. And in our passage this morning, he is all powerful. And we need to be reminded of that. That's a great help to us in the midst of the storms in our life. Most of all, that he proved his ultimate and absolute power by bearing the sins of his people on the cross. And after being dead for three days, rising again, from the dead. If he has done that for you, he will certainly see you through every storm. If we follow his example of a hearty prayer life, we remember his absolute power, that will help us to take heart in him through all of life's storms. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that our eyes would be fixed on you. We pray that our hearts would be encouraged by your power and your presence with us. Help us as we can so often feel stuck and tossed around in life storms. Help us to know you are with us and that you will always lead us safely to the shore. You've promised that you will lead us to that uh, the shore of everlasting and eternal life. Remind us of that, that where you are, so too 
will we all be that you have gone before, the forerunner. You have paved the way to eternal life. Remind us of that. Remind us of it every day, every hour. Remind us of that in the midst of any storm, that you are with us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. And we pray all this in your mighty name. Amen.